Uh, as I start the sermon, we're, we are in the uh, series on the whole gospel. Let me just open in prayer, if that's all right. Father God, this is your church. It's your people that you've called out and you've redeemed. And you are growing in the knowledge and application of the scriptures and in relationship to you. I pray, God, today we would understand more of the gospel, that we would be able to implement it in our life, and that we can offer good news to those around us because of our own testimony of how you have come in and given us new life and new purpose and direction. Guide us through this service, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Have you ever started a project that seemed pretty straightforward? All the plans on the internet, you're putting things together, and then you realize pretty quickly that you got in over your head, uh, and you need to call for help. I'm, I'm in the middle of a project right now, a little, it's called a pickler triangle for a toddler, a little ladder kind of thing with a slide, and it looks pretty straightforward, but I have gone to so many stores trying to get so many different pieces and hardware and the right kind of wood, and uh, I... I it's, I'm, I'm almost on that edge. I've got my white flag. I'm ready to surrender and call in the troops and uh, get a, a professional to help me out. I've, it's happened before when I'm changing like a master brake cylinder for a car or trying to get in with the brakes and can't get those little, those little wire things in the right spot and like, ah, not again. I've got to call a friend. I, I see wives that are patting their husbands on the shoulder like, this is you. Like... <laughs> Uh, but I, I had to call in the mechanics and help me out, fix things. It's like I, I come to the end of myself many times, and I need to just g- g- give up before I make things worse. And uh, so in my life, I, I have to quickly admit defeat sometimes, surrender to those more knowledgeable, so that I don't make a mess of things and cause even more trouble. Uh, today I'm talking about the aspect of surrender in the gospel it's part of the gospel. It's part that um, made, some people have the most trouble with, giving up in, into the hands of God, letting him be the expert in, in our life. Right at the very beginning, we surrender our lives to him, but then it's, it's a daily thing, right? Every day, we need to, again, remember who's in charge. When I did the research, I, I understood that there's two kinds, two basic kinds of surrender. The first kind is called un, unconditional surrender, where there's no formal guarantees whatsoever are given to the surrendering party. If you've been in battle, an unconditional surrender, it means you've been beaten so thoroughly that there's nothing left with which to negotiate. You're essentially at the mercy of the victorious forces. When two Armies are fighting, and one is totally decimated. You, you just raise a white flag and say, we're done. We can't fight anymore. We have nothing left. The other kind is called conditional surrender, where sometimes you're a bit of a stalemate. You know things are going badly, and you call it quits before you really get beaten terribly. And in a conditional surrender, both parties agree that further damages and lives lost would not accomplish anything and the surrendering party could do so honorably with some dignity intact. The most famous early use of this unconditional surrender occurred in the American Civil War in 1862 at the Battle of Fort Donelson. General uh, Ulysses, Ulysses S. Grant, the Union Army, received a request for terms. We can go to the next slide. 
And uh, the Confederate Brigadier General Buckner wanted to say, okay, we will surrender under these conditions. And uh, Ulysses S. Grant says, uh, his reply was, no terms except an unconditional and immediate surrender can be accepted. And I propose to move immediately upon your works. When Grant's, this is one of the early victories in Grant's legacy as a general. When the news reached Washington uh, about uh, his uh, amazing defeat of the Confederate forces um, and remarked that his first two initials, U.S., stood for unconditional surrender. And it became his nickname, Unconditional Surrender Grant. Well, later on, near the end of the Civil War in the United States, um, there was a conditional surrender where Robert uh, E. Lee surrendered his army of northern Virginia in 1865. And Grant agreed to allow Lee's men under his command to go home under parole and to keep sidearms and private horses. In other words, you know, we've killed enough of one another. We just got to call an end to this. If we can have cessation of, of, of hostilities, we will allow you to go home unimpeded, take a pistol and your horses that you brought with you, go home, get on with your life. It's over. So he, he, he bended, he didn't become, he did all throughout the war, the, the unconditional surrender. He said, no, there are some times where we can have conditional surrender. In 1942, at the end of the World War II, the head of the SS uh, Nazis, Henrik Himmler, tried to broker a peace deal. And he was trying to attach conditions to his surrender to the, to the Allied forces. He wanted to keep the Nazi regime in place and stop the Soviet progress into Germany. But the Allied powers had agreed at the Casablanca Conference in January 1943 that only an unconditional surrender of Germany would be acceptable. The war in Europe had become over and by 1945, but the war against Japan was still continuing. They refused to surrender. In fact, the emperor of Japan at the time says, there's no way we will ever surrender to these forces. Like we, kamikaze pilots, all these kinds of things, it was their intention to have their people continue to fight no matter what. So what does this have to do with the gospel? All these battles, all these wars, all these hostilities. Well, the gospel includes good news that we can stop fighting against God. You see, we were the aggressors. We challenged God's authority. We turned our backs on his commandments. We disregard his ways and his laws. We even, we even make outlandish and false accusations against God when we refused to surrender to him. Colossians chapter 1 verse 19 and following it reads, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you, who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. And Romans 5.10 says, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, so much more being reconciled shall we be saved by his life. Not only so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the reconciliation. 
We were so far away from God originally that he had to send his son to die for us. And if we believe in him, place our lives in his care, we could be reconciled to God and be born again and have a new life and be on God's team. It's well known that many times the victor in a battle will slaughter his enemies after the war is over. He doesn't want to have any more uprisings. Line them all up and just shoot them. He didn't, uh, in the biblical times, even the victors made the losers pay compensation or bring an annual tribute or force them into slavery, degrading them even further. They wanted to make sure there's no one can rise up again as an enemy against us. And the good news is that we do not have a God who beats us down as his enemies. He won't rub our noses in our defeat. We have a God who lifts us up and puts our feet on solid ground. He, he sees the sorry state we're in and the troubles we have, the road that we are walking and leading to self-destruction. And he says, there's a better way. There's a, there's a way that leads to life. I guess that's the nature of God. He says, God is love. He's not vengeful. He's not trying to ruin us. He's not trying to destroy his enemies. He's trying to embrace them and bring them into a new life, a new understanding of what life can be with him. He doesn't humiliate or put heavy burdens or reparations on us, but he frees us from bondage and he gives us a robe of sonship. He does not call us beaten foes, but he becomes our father and he calls us sons and daughters. What kind of victor does that? When have you ever seen that in world history where the winner brings the losers into the fold and says, we're all together. We're all one. Luke chapter 6, verse 27 says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Love your enemies and do good and lend, and hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the highest, for he is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. That's what our God is like. Tells us... Loving our enemies is the only answer, not beating them down into submission. The gospel or the good news is what God has done for us, but our part is accepting and being willing to surrender to his sovereignty over us. It's, he offers us life, but it comes at a point of surrender when you come to him. It's not just adding God to your life. It's giving up your life into his hands. Japan continually rejected any kind of surrender for, for years. Their leaders told them it was better to die or commit suicide than to surrender to the enemy. And many soldiers and actually civilians committed suicide when they saw the Allied forces were advancing into their area. Rather than being captured, rather than being defeated, they killed themselves. It wasn't until after the second atomic bomb was dropped on Nagasaki that the Japanese war machine stopped fighting. But they never use the word surrender. They just cessation of hostilities. Interestingly, many Japanese soldiers were too far into the jungles in Indonesia and the Philippines and the small islands. They didn't hear about the cessation of hostilities or surrender, and they kept fighting. The two most famous Japanese soldiers in the time uh, didn't actually surrender until 1974. Can you imagine, for 29 years, Lieutenant Hiro Onada and also um, Teru Nakamura, both of them were still holding out, 
thinking that the Allied forces were trying to trick them into surrendering. The war is not really over. We haven't, we have been, we'll stand at our post until our, our uh, superior commanders tell us to, to step down. And, uh, and so actually they had to go back and find those retired generals that are long since retired in Jap- Japan come to the Philippines or to Indo- Indo- Indonesia and actually command their troops to stand down and to surrender. And you can see the bottom picture in 1974, Onada was surrendering his sword to President Marcos in the Philippines. Can you imagine? The war was over a long time ago, but they're still fighting. Every day there's a battle that wages in our life between the acts of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. There's, there's always something in us wanting to be selfish, wanting to be proud, wanting to do our own thing, to be our own boss, to be the king of our own uh, kingdom. And we have to remind ourselves that we belong to someone else. We gave our life to Christ, that we surrendered to him and allowed him to be the Lord and Savior. As believers, it's a conscious daily surrender of our lives to Jesus. When we really want to act in, in anger and respond to that, I don't know what it is about me, but you know when that, when that car cuts me off and they weren't even looking or you got that end driver on the highway that's going and then you end up at the traffic light beside them. It's like, what's the point? I want to unroll my window and say, yeah, yeah. But I, I don't. Because that's, that's not who I want to be. I, I really want to say something. So much. But I, I decided not to be that kind of person that gets even or tries to point out their insanity. When our wife says something or our husband says something, we take it the wrong way again and we get defensive and we, get, we think it's criticism. It's telling us, you know, reminding us, of, I know, I know, I'm going to get to it. It's on my list. You know, stop telling me. You know, it's that the, the acts of the flesh, the pride, the, the, the insecurities we have, the, all that stuff in us, it just wells up and reacts. You see, it's, it's, it's a battle. Is that who I want to be? Is that who I want my kids to see in their dad for me? It's sad when we, as believers, continue to resist the work of the Spirit in our life, even after we claim to have been surrendered to Jesus. We're still fighting away, not truly giving up to Jesus. So some years ago, this was when we lived on 240th Street in my I had all my kids still at home, and my oldest son, he just didn't really like to clean his room. And I walked in, I'd, I'd mentioned it a number of times, Matt, you know, you need, you gotta, <laughs> your Sunday pants from five days ago are lying crumpled at the foot of your bed. Like, how hard is it to pick it up, put it on the hanger, hang it in the closet? We can't keep buying you pants all the time. Just take care of what you have. And then there's a, a plate with, you know, a half-eaten piece of pizza on the desk. I don't know how long it's been there. Maybe the cockroaches could tell me. But um, no, we didn't have cockroaches. It was ants. No. <laughs> and then the assignments that were supposed to be handed in the school are still on the desk. And where is Matt? He's downstairs playing Nintendo or Wii or Xbox or something like that. 
And so I'm thinking, I'm starting to well up inside me. Like, I've told him how many times to clean his room. And I was, as I was walking down the stairs, <laughs> listening to, tew, 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 tew. oh, no, I, I, uh, I walked in and I, I thought, you know, I could say, Matt, this is not a barn. You know, you were raised better than this. You take care of your stuff. I could have got a garbage bag and collected all of his stuff, put it in the garage and said, you know, all your stuff is there if you want it. Uh, I'm tired of this. You know, I've told you over and over, what kind of person are you that can't even take care of your stuff? Who do you think you are? This is our house, not yours. We let you live with us. But there's rules, you know, in this house. You've got to follow the rules. But what I did instead was um, I walked in and I, I put my hand on top of the TV and I hit the off button. <laughs> I says, Dad, I was about to get a high score. I said, oh, oh, so sorry. Um, when you have cleaned your room, you're welcome to join us for supper tonight. And I walked out. Do you know it was cleaned within 15 minutes? Because he wanted to eat. He was a basketball player, needed those 10,000 calories kind of stuff. And he came, you know, he was, I walked into his room, wow, I was fast. Did I want to beat him down? Did I want to destroy him? Did I want to prove that I'm more powerful and bigger and stronger than him and, and smash his self-esteem and call him names like lazy and, and all that kind of stuff? No. I wanted, wanted him to understand that he's valuable to me, but you know what? I can really act to him with love and concern and, and direction without destroying him. It was about me at that moment more than it was about him. What kind of dad do I want to be? You notice the acts of the flesh when you read in, in Galatians 5. Uh, these acts of the flesh, these, these prideful things, the arrogance, the, the, the anger, the bitterness, all these things, they can happen in an instant. I mean, just like that. You can blow up in anger. But the fruit of the Spirit kind of takes time. It's the love and the joy and the peace and the patience and the kindness and self-discipline. Self-control, those things take time. They, 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 they come, they, it's like seeds, they grow in our character. The other things, boom, you know, you, you just say it, you react, you, whatever. Uh, you can slip into um, things that can destroy your life really easy. We don't need to keep resisting. Our behavior and our attitude, our actions, reactions that we have, they indicate who we are submitting to in our heart. Our actions and our reactions indicate they bear witness to whether or not we have fully, unconditionally surrendered to Christ or not. Are you still quick to judge? Are you still quick to criticize? Or are you quick to bless? Are you quick to encourage somebody? Are you stingy or are you generous? Are you warm and kind or are you cold and prickly? Those things tell me who you've surrendered to to your own self, to your own acts of the flesh, you, 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 me, 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 or it's all about Christ in me, doing his work. Surrender is not the same as commitment either. Commitment has parameters. Surrender does not. We, should ask, <clears throat> we shouldn't ask people to commit their life to Jesus. When we present the gospel, we talk about surrendering your life to Jesus. Not committing, because committing has kind of got 
I will commit this much. I've got this much time. I've got this much in my life to do. Surrender says, I got nothing left. I'm all yours. A commitment is temporary. Surrender is forever. It means giving up the right to your life and your future. It means placing all you are and all you have into God's hands. A commitment is focused on a task. Surrender is submitting to a person. When a task is done, you can move on to something else if you've just made a commitment. Surrender involves a relationship to a person who will then assume the rights and control over our life. Did you make a commitment to Christ and you can take it back? You're done with your commitment? It's got the, I'm committed to Christ between 8 and 10 o'clock, but after 10, I'm on my own. Or have you surrendered fully and completely into his hands? Surrendering to God means coming under his protection and his guidance and his governance. James 4, 7 says, therefore, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The devil doesn't flee from us until after we've submitted to God. You can't fight the devil on your own unless you've submitted to God and under his protection and guidance. The one you submit to has the responsibility for your future and your safety and your welfare and your livelihood. I think it's a great thing that we have a loving God watching over us. He cares for us. He he works on our behalf. He's a God who knows the number of hairs on our head, who sees when we stumble, who picks us up, who protects us and sustains us and loves us dearly. Psalm 97.10 says, Hate evil, you who love the Lord. He guards the lives of those who love him, delivering them from domination by the wicked. Also, surrender allows an individual to, to be part of a community of surrendered people where everyone has surrendered to the same Lord. When you surrender, you get to hold hands with others who have also surrendered. You're, you're brothers and sisters. You have the same Lord living in you and working in you. Romans 12, 4 says, For even as we have many members in one body, that's the church, and all members do not have the same function, so we, the many, are one body in Christ, and each one members of one another. Uh, I was reminded this week when we had the Lord's Supper, when we have the bread, Jesus says, this is my body broken for you. Take, eat this. Remembrance of me. When we ingest something, it becomes a part of us. And we become a part of it. Like it's a, we, I don't believe in the transubstantiation where it becomes actual flesh of Christ. But symbolically, when you ingest something, it becomes part of who you are. And you, in return, become a part of what that is too. Same with the baptism. These two things we call ordinances in the church. We get baptized. We are submitting to Christ. He asked us to be baptized. We are buried with Christ. We are part of what he did on the cross. We die to our old self and we're raised up to a new life. There are two pictures. The Lord's Supper. We, we bring Christ in us. Every time we do that, we, we symbolically in the baptism, we are identifying and throwing our lot in with Christ. Just as he asked us to do. First Peter 2.17 says, Respect everyone. Show special love for God's people. Honor God and respect the emperor. Uh, there's a, a phrase there, uh, the family of believers. When you look in the Greek, it's called brotherhood. Um, you know the city of Philadelphia. Uh, philos is love and Delphia is brothers, brotherly love. This word for 
family of believers is uh, the Delphia part, brother, brotherhood. Sorry, it's not meant to offend women. It's, we call it sisterhood, familyhood. <laughs> Change the name in the day. This, this word could also mean a fraternity, um, a feeling of brotherliness or, or fa- familyness. We're connected in the same family. And uh, we are all a part of one another in the same family. The word for church, ecclesia, is a, is a calling out of people together to meet together like a congregation. The word also can mean not just here as a church, but in heaven. The saints in heaven are part of the ecclesia. They were called out, and together we form a family of God. 1 Corinthians 1-2 reads, the church of God that is in Corinth. Paul's writing to the church of God that is in Corinth. To those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those in every place who call on the name of the Lord Christ, both their Lord and ours. I like that picture. I've been around the world and, and worship with people in different languages and countries, and I just, we, we're connected. We have a, 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 we're a brotherhood, a sisterhood. We're, we're, we're tied together because of our, our mutual surrender. The other thing we have in common with all those other believers who surrendered is that we were all once enemies of God. We were all fighting against God at one point, striving for our own ways, seeking our own interests, pursuing selfish ambitions. But now we are all surrendered to God, and now we are all free in Christ. As I wrap this message up, I just ask you the questions. Have you surrendered to Christ unconditionally? Or perhaps did you just make a commitment to follow him with certain conditions? Because until you fully surrender, you will never be truly free. Or have you fully surrendered to Christ, but are you still putting up some resistance in your life? Are you still fighting some battles in your life? You just need to give up. Let him take control. Not just give up, but give over your life into his hands. Let him do what only God can do. God is great at working from the inside out. We don't need to fight battles with God or wrestle with God over issues in our life. Instead, we should be submitting, becoming devoted servants. I've heard, had people say in the past, you know, I really, I really wrestled with God over this issue, and I'm saying, why? Just stop it. Stop wrestling with God and just say, I surrender. I give up. Do what you want in my life. I'll do whatever you ask. Send me where you want. Tell me what you want me to do. Chris Tomlin wrote a song some years ago. It's called uh, White Flag. And here's what the words say. The battle rages on. A, a storm and tempest roar. We cannot win this fight inside our rebel hearts. We're laying down our weapons now. Sorry it's tiny, but you'll get bigger words in a minute. We raise our white flag. We surrender all to you, all for you. We raise our white flag. The war is over. Love has come. Your love has won. Here on this holy ground, you made a way for peace, laying down your own body. You took our rightful place on the cross. This freedom song is marching on. We raise our white flag and we surrender all to you, all for you. We raise our white flag. The war is over. Love has come. Your love has won. I want us to stand together. And I don't have white flags uh, out there in the pews. But another way of surrendering is I give up.
putting your hands in the air and just saying, God, I, as you sing this song, I want you to think, are you fully and truly and unconditionally surrendered to God? You might want to come down to the front here and just kneel and say, God, I, I know I made a commitment to you. I want to surrender now today. There's stuff in my life that just doesn't need to be there. I want to stop fighting with you. I want to fully commit and surrender my life to you unconditionally. I want to be all in into your hands, into your care, into your loving arms. Cleanse me from any unrighteousness and fill me completely with your presence that I could be totally free. We're going to sing this song, and uh, as we do, you think about maybe what you want to do. You can just slip down here quietly, kneel down, say a word of prayer to God. Remember, He was on the cross in our place, and now we have a substituted life. He died for us. We can live for Him. You react today as God is asking in your own heart.